0: Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 The text and WhatsApp is zero eight three three double one double three double one. And just uh, by getting in touch with us and sharing your views or... Uh, coming up with something new on WhatsApp and uh, text. If you put Talbot at the end of your contribution it gets you into the draw for the month's membership there of their smashing um, leisure centre. Uh, hi friend. just been listening to the programme. The man talking at the moment is saying that everybody's entitled to their beliefs but not Enoch Burke. I think that he and his family are over the top but then again it's a case of do as I say and not as I do. I always find that I have the right to my opinion as long as I agree with the person I in conversation with how about that for freedom of speech it says be to us today. Financial Advice with FOH Financial Limited. Tried, trusted and experienced advice. See FOH.ie. FOH Financial Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Francis O'Hanlon is with me in studio from FOH. Good morning to you, Francis. Hi, Fran. Post-Christmas, God knows we need all of the financial advice we can get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we need it all year round. <laughs> it's not just for Christmas, Fran.
0: <laughs> it's like a puppy, isn't it?
1: Uh,
0: good to see you anyway, Francis. We'll start with with a few uh, questions from mm-hmm. last time round. What do I need to do as far as, as social welfare is concerned if I'm no longer a carer and have been in receipt of carers allowance? What information will they need?
1: So I presume this is in relation to stamp and state mm. pension one thing or the other. So I would say they don't need anything because there'd be a record and your, uh, for all the world, PRSI boxes or stamp boxes would be ticked um, based on the fact that you were in receipt of the carers allowance but, and they'll automatic, automatically update that, I would say. But look, to be sure, to be sure, to be sure, mm. check your PRSI record. And you can do that with PRSI Records, Department of Social Protection, and that's in um, Boncrana in Donegal, or you can ring them 014715898. Um, you can also do it through their website and, uh, you know, just... Just maybe put in high uh, records and it'll come up to, to bring you to make sure it's legitimate, by the way, um, if you're going online. Yes. But- You know, they would have an automatic record, I would say, of your PRSI record whilst you were a carer. But just check if you if you're in doubt.
0: All right. We're staying with uh, caring. I'm getting half carers for my husband. Am I entitled to fuel allowance with the old age pension? This comes up time and time again. It does. Yeah. And
1: look, I would say possibly. But to get the fuel allowance, you must be either a living alone or only with certain people, uh, which I'll expand on, you know, be getting a qualifying payment unless you're 70 or over, uh, and you must satisfy a means test. But you must live alone or with. A spouse, civil partner or cohabitant who qualifies for an, uh, an increase on your pension or social welfare payment. Uh, you, either you have dependent children or a person who's getting a carer's allowance or carer's benefit and is caring for you or your spouse, partner or cohabitant on a full-time basis or you're in receipt of maybe short-term job seekers allowance or some kind of supplementary benefit. Um you know i i would just say person age 70 and over uh, subject to means test they qualify mm. but just remember only one fuel allowance payment is paid to a household so again possibly Sounds like I'm saying if you're standing at a right angle to the door and the wind is blowing the right way, <laughs> but look, there are conditions yeah. to you, to you getting this. So possibly I would say to that yeah. person, and
0: and finally, if we always get questions into the program about that, so there's obviously a conf- confusion out there. It's yeah. a minefield, it is, Fran. Yeah. That's
1: that's the reality, and you know I, I'm not getting into it today, but there's been huge changes even in the area of. You know, not just state pension, well, that's coming down the line, mm. possibly the auto enrollment, but there's so many changes afoot. It's no wonder people are confused. Of course. You yeah. know, we're in the game and we're trying to keep up with it. So yeah. I have every sympathy.
0: Speaking of confusion, how do you check your stamp levels?
1: So I just call that out there. I mean, just check with the PRSI records, Department of Social Welfare, and that's. I think it's MacArthur's Road, Ard um Ardoravan, is it? Uh Bunkrana, Donegal, Ireland, and O one four seven one five eight nine eight or you can do it um online right. but again just make sure it's legitimate if you're looking at it online, because you're giving in information, obviously. Right,
0: so be careful about that. That question, it tends to come mostly from women, does it not? Yeah, I think,
1: yeah, it does, because, again, there's that, oh, I was at home with the kids, maybe for for a while. I'm not saying that men aren't at home with the kids either, but, you know, in the main, it's women saying, you know, am I entitled to anything for that? And, look, we've kind of touched on that before, where for the years that you were in receipt of child benefit, yes, you have certain entitlements, Again, certain to, subject to certain terms and conditions and maximums. So I would check just okay. in case.
0: I was very interested in this question. Something, I, one of the many things I mm-hmm. didn't know about. But anyway, it says, I've worked with the HSE all of my life. I was on the band D tax table. I'm not allowed glasses, dentists or hearing aids on my stamps. What am I allowed? Band D, first of all. Yeah.
1: so it's public service PRSI class. So the majority of us would be class A. Um, So, yeah, look, and I I don't want to sound flippant here because not all public service pensions are equal. So some people um, that I see in certain areas of the public service have relatively low pensions, and it might be that they're not entitled, um, they wouldn't be entitled to the state pension. So somebody who's on PRSI Class D, the idea was they paid an awful lot less PRSI than any of the rest of us that are on PRSI Class A, so therefore they don't have certain benefits ah, that we be entitled to, right. i.e. the the state the the uh, contributory state pension. They're not entitled to it. Okay, so um, I I I suppose the the big thing here is I don't know what level of pension. This individual has. Mm. Um, I would say, look, if in doubt, maybe speak to the Department of Social Welfare. They'll tell you very quickly whether there's any extra entitlements you're entitled to. But I can't answer it because I I'm assuming that you have a reasonable level of Class D Right. Um, public service pension, but again, down to individuals. And if
0: you're a widow or a widower,
1: yeah, if it may well be that they're entitled to the widow's pension. Right. right? Okay. Again, another anomaly in the system because it may be that their partner or uh, spouse had a, were PRSI class A at some stage, so they may be entitled to the widow's pension um, or the state pension, say their their spouse was entitled to the state pension mm. and they passed away, it might be that this person then is due the state pension that their spouse should have got uh-huh. right. instead. Okay. So, again again a you know, mind
0: yes all right okay. uh, let us move on then to i suppose the big talking point and those of us who have pay into pensions will be very much looking at the way the markets mm. are going for 2023 but i'm hugely uh, confused at this because the markets seem to be optimistic enough but the central banks are not
1: yeah no there seems to be a bit of a contradiction all right i suppose the central banks are very very focused on inflation mm. Inflation, 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 um, because the mantra say even of the, the European Central Bank is to have uh, inflation levels around 2% and we're way off that. Right. Even on the, on the recent um, figures, I think they were up around maybe late 7s, maybe 8%, that kind of mark. So it's way, way off the 2%. But again, I think... You know, there's contradictions going on here because an awful lot of the economists are saying central banks have all got this really Mm. wrong. This inflation is different to, um, you know, usual people going out buying discretionary items inflation. This, this inflation has its core in energy prices and in food. OK, so they're saying that they feel them putting up interest rates to the extent that they're doing is not going to work. Um But again, right. they're going to fight that out. And they're also making the mere- point that,
0: that um, inflation has peaked, uh, well, particularly yeah. in the States, I suppose. But you- Yeah,
1: and I mean, the the, the word is that inflation peaked I suppose across the Eurozone area maybe in around October Mm. and we have seen um, it start to recede slightly but every area is different as well Um, I I do think from what we're hearing there will be further interest rate increases to what extent, maybe not as gung-ho as they were going to be Mm. um, but expectations are they'll probably stop that maybe in the coming months but again as to when
0: Yes. who knows well the European Central Bank are saying it will be 2024 but you know
1: again like where where is everybody going to be i mean it and again one man's misery is another man's feast right. like if you're talking about the interest rates that savers are getting at the moment they're still very very low because the banks in Ireland haven't passed on that interest to the to they haven't passed it on to the mortgage holders to any huge extent right but um therefore they're not passing it on to the savers um, so again, uh, well who that's, knows?
0: That's what happens when you don't have competition, well, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. and unfortunately, that's narrowing. An and you know, so what can we expect then, twenty twenty? So I think we can accept, expect turbulence. Is that the word I'm going to use? Yeah. Turbulence. I think yeah. it's going to be bumpy. Um, but already in the month of January, and it's only one month, um, you know, we've seen a considerable upturn in the markets. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean, like, if we look at the last year. It was, there was a considerable downturn. Now, I think a lot of people were oblivious to that, Fran, because of the upsurge that had happened after COVID. Yes. So maybe the, 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 substantial gains that happened after COVID, people were cushioned to a certain extent or protected against um, the downturn of last year. But the downturn of last year was quite significant in saying that there is an uplift in January so far. Expectations are that it's going to be bumpy for the next few months, but they think as inflation Um, reduces and maybe as interest rates cool even to the extent that they're increasing them maybe the odd quarter percent here or there that you should see a return to growth in the market some people are saying that's going to happen sooner rather than later I would say forget all of that Mm -hmm. right Uh, the markets will do what the markets will do what you have to say is the same thing we always say to people you know, know your own timeline, know your own risk level, know when you're going to need that money um and I think that's right. all people can do, and know they're well positioned, understand what you're in yeah
0: so as to whether or not it's a good time to invest it, it it's a very individual thing yeah I that, would say look.
1: I'm kind of saying to people at the moment, especially that are paying in on regular premiums, they're buying in at, you would expect, discounted rates. I'm not saying they won't drop a little bit further, and I think they probably will, right? But you'll never time markets exactly. Don't try and do that because you won't do it, right? What you need to know is your own timeline and your own risk. So you're buying in at the moment after substantial downturns last year. So if we're not close to the bottom, if we're not at the bottom, we certainly are fairly close to it. And again, there's that little kick, right, Mm. when things just all of a sudden turn. Nobody knows when that's going to happen. Like I remember that 2009, it was around March of 2009 after the worst crash since 1929. It was in around the time Cheltenham, not that I'm a huge (laughs) Cheltenham fan, but I remember (laughs) literally markets just turned just lifted and then surged, you know, for uh, what was one of the longest bull markets.
0: Yes, I remember you showing me the graph on that Yeah, and it was astounding. So yes. There wasn't
1: any particular rhyme or reason to that. So I think, again, you, you know, should you stay or should you go, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's about you knowing what suits you. It's about you knowing that what you're invested in is still good, has the potential for recovery and that you know your own timeline and that's what i would say to people and that the charges are good and all of the usual things that we say if you're in, if you have the time i would say stay on the surfboard you know don't be jumping off because if you come off it's very very hard very unlikely for you again, to get yeah. that recovery yeah. Um, going forward, because what are you going to get it in cash? No, because we've just said interest rates alone. But again, you have to be comfortable. There's no point in you bolting up in the bed in the middle of the night wondering how the FTSE 100 is doing. <laughs> so you need to. It needs to be about what suits you.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Speaking of what suits you, I'm delighted you're going to speak about this today because it's intrigued me for a long time. Um, the notion of the lifelong loans and you know yeah. uh,
1: what what are they
0: to, okay. to begin with because we see the ads for them all the time yeah so yeah.
1: these were quite popular speaking of financial crash pre financial crash in ireland they were just starting to creep in it was a couple of institutions did them um i think they were called seniors money at the time i think they're spry now uh, they've converted to mm-hmm. bank of ireland actually did them at one stage as well did they? Yeah. yeah so and they but they don't do anymore but these were basically about giving people in their later years um, the means to release money from their property while staying in the property in that they may need money for A, B and C or just living in general. I mean, look at the questions you've got coming in about Mm. fuel allowance Mm. you know Class D stamp, you know, some people struggle with the income that they've got in retirement. So some people see this as, oh, well, look, I still have maintenance to my house and I can't afford those chunks Mm. to get, I haven't got the chunk of money I need to get the roof fixed or the boiler is gone or just even a better lifestyle mm. saying, Look, so I have this asset. money acid. that will
0: be released to them from the worth of their home yeah. that will eventually be repaid when Ex- they pass on exactly. and in so their estate. And all there's of that.
1: two different types, right? Mm. So there's, um, this is at the moment. There's a lifetime loan, which is basically you get X amount of money based on your age. And obviously, the older you are, the bigger the percentage of the house. And they then charge you an interest rate. And that loan, this is a lifetime loan. This loan runs on, runs on. And then when you eventually pass away and or maybe go into a nursing home, then Either the property is sold by your estate and the lender gets their money back and your estate gets the residual balance or it might be an opportunity for your estate, say there was children or whatever it be, to buy out the lender, Mm. okay? Mm. So that the property can still be retained within the family or maybe one family member. But the interest rates are high, okay? So I would say to you, um, at the moment, from what I can see, the interest rate on this loan is about six point four five percent.
0: Right. How does that compare to a <clears throat> well? Look, if you're looking loan. at a
1: standard variable rate. I suppose they can vary depending on provider at the moment. But I would say they're in around maybe I'm going to take a middle ground, three and a half percent on a variable rate. So, so I double would, that almost. <clears throat> yeah. Double that and, yeah. at the moment. So quite expensive. Um, you know, a good plan is to live, as I always say to people. So, you know, the longer this loan goes on, uh, the the more interest is clocking up. But some people might say, listen, I have this asset. I want to stay in my mm. home. Mm. This is a means of me getting money. You know, mm. I know there's a price down the line, but I don't have any other means so of getting a So what are your
0: concerns, Francis, besides mm. the, the interest rate? What what are your concerns?
1: Look, I suppose it's expensive, Um, I think there's possibly other ways of maybe doing this. Um, If you need money, it might be maybe you only need a small amount of money. And I think, see, people are always wary about speaking to family about this. Mm. But it might be, say, for example, somebody needed 60,000, right? This was the number and they were going to borrow this. And it might be that they're leaving their property to their I'm just going to say three children, mm. right? Mm. And it might be that if you spoke to your children, they may be in a position to give you 20000 each, right? And that you don't have to go down this route of borrowing and that eventually they'll get the house, house will be sold down the line. So it, it's kind of a weird saving for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, but not it could a, be a
0: major repair to the house that yeah. would be in their interests. Yeah. To, to, to At some now, people, now, what about, they mightn't have the money. Or they no, they might. the
1: individuals them. may not have yeah. the money. So again, and it might be that people don't want to burden their family with this. But you have to be careful. You have to really, really seek advice in relation to these loans, yes. Um, because they're very expensive, and you know, I I just did a rough top there. I I was saying if, you know, somebody ended up borrowing, I think it was one hundred eighty thousand, right? Mm. And they're eighty one now. Okay, And they live to 96. The amount that would be due back, it'd be about 476,168 euros. So that's a lot of, wow. you know, that's a lot of money, right? Wow, it certainly because is. it's compounding. That's the problem. Now, there are means to, you can pay a little bit of money as well, but you're right. getting into all sorts of but territory. for a
0: lot of people, that would wipe out the inheritance. Possibly.
1: And uh, Now, the only thing is there's a no, equ- no negative equity guarantee on these. So if they go underwater, like say somebody borrows, and again, that's why they won't give you a huge amount of money. They're not stupid, right? Yes. They'll only give you a certain amount of money based on your age. And that increases over as you get older, because it's getting closer to the point where they'll get their money back. Okay. okay, so you just have to be careful. But if they do go into negative, say there was a dip, just as as you you passed away, there was a a, a crash in dip, the market. Yeah. Okay. There's a, a, a there's a negative equity guarantee, so you won't it it wouldn't be that your estate would be obliged to pay back the lender. That's just tough, right? That's just tough. There's a and a no negative equity guarantee built into them, but mm-hmm. the, I suppose there is another option which is a reversion loan, which is different to the lifetime loan.
0: What What is that?
1: So the reversion loan is where you're buying, um, you're selling a fixed amount of your property at the time and you're fixing it in. So if, for example, there's no interest for all the world. Yes. So you're selling it. Now, say you're saying, okay, I'm going to sell 50% of my, the value of my property. You'll get probably half of that. So you get 25% of the half value, okay? Okay. And that's released to you. So there's no interest per se, but the idea is that down the line then, they've got their fixed amount, so they're depending on the markets going up, right? Mm. They sell it down the line, and they're selling it at a higher price because the markets have even just gone up at a normal rate. Mm. They get their money back and some, but you still retain the other 50%, okay? okay? And your estate gets that eventually. Now, just to say... You can actually opt to put a repayment on that to get a bigger percentage. Um, but again, it's very hard to convey these, you know, without having somebody in front of you. Of course. But I'm yes. just saying please be careful. It's interesting, please yeah. be cautious. You, you, you're
0: also counseling that <clears throat> maybe an option would be to two downsides in some way.
1: Yeah. I mean but you know we were only talking about this lately in the context of, of where I live. I know at least probably three or four people had, if there were smaller houses in the village, in the town, that they could downsize to, they probably would. Mm. But they want to stay in their rural village in South Tipperary or Waterford or whatever it be. But they would do. With a heart and a half. They'd be happier. They'd have lower costs. But for some reason, this is the bizarre nature of of our housing problem. Mm. Those houses aren't available. But think about this. If there was those schemes, then they could sell their bigger house to the family that needs it for their children. And so on. And this works so well in other countries. Absolutely, but we just don't seem to have a grasp on it here, and I think that's a real if if that was the case then somebody'd be downsizing, they'd be taking their equity, they'd buy their smaller house outright, their costs are lower, and they'd have a chunk of change that they can use going forward to supplement themselves, or indeed, you know, leave to their family eventually if they wanted to. Plus, of course, the original property. So I think there's many reasons why these loans are required by people, but there's many reasons why we could get around them if we had the right, right. structures in place.
0: Okay. Somebody wondering, are there uh, lenders who will lend to you on the basis that you're talking about? So I presume, are there people in oh, Ireland? There there's one, so in, there's in one Ireland.
1: provider of lifetime loans, and there's one provider of reversion. Uh, it's agreements. So that was the second one I mentioned, where they buy a right. fixed amount for a fixed price. There's two provider. One, they, sorry, one provider doesn't do both. There's two separate providers okay. in the Irish market at the moment. Looking at those, can I just say? On the lifetime loan, if, for example, your family got wind of it down the line, not got wind of it, it sounds like you're doing something untoward, but if they realised, oh, look, we'll buy this out for you, they can do so on the lifetime loan, but you can't do it on the reversion agreement. Ah, okay. Okay, so that they're other reasons why it, you it need sounds, to be really careful. It sounds,
0: Frances, that a family discussion should be had around it. should,
1: Fran, you know? and, and think about that because, you know, and I'm, that might tie into, if we time to get into the next topic. Yeah,
0: certainly we don't today, no, well, we, and we, we will make reference it. to it if that's you okay. You have to be yeah. careful,
1: and I'm not right. saying this, but sometimes the financial abuse yes. of the elderly and right. this is of
0: great concern to you, isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, look, not just of the elderly, of anybody. I mean, if you're talking about men, women in domestic abuse situations, yeah. financial abuse. And actually, what prompted me to think about this was that the last day I was in, I think Alison had got a text in mm. and somebody had mentioned financial abuse. And I said, oh, my God, it's really not mentioned enough. Mm. And that can happen in a situation where somebody, say, a, a child is putting a parent under pressure. When well, I need a house and I need money. I need this. I need that. Mm and that Mm. they're putting a parent under pressure to release money, that could technically, you know, that's verging on financial abuse, right? Because if they're really putting a parent under duress saying, I can't buy my house, you need to help me, it's no good to me when you're gone, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm not saying every child will do that. Sometimes it's actually the quite opposite. I don't want your money. You know, do whatever you do, mum, dad, you know, knock yourselves out, live. But sometimes it's not. Yeah. Okay,
0: so and and so and if you would, for instance, maybe next time round we'd spend yeah. more time talking about that because yeah. I think it's a very important thing to do. Somebody wondering though, um, one of these loans that you're making reference to, life lifetime loan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to go into a nursing home and pay the HSC, what about that? In other words, yeah, that's so releasing the, equity to yeah, pay for that. So that yeah.
1: can eat into it further. So that's something you need to consider. And the other side of it is, I think it's. Maybe, maybe not on both of them, but I know definitely that they consider. Say you did release money, right? That might be included for the in the home care scheme. If you a chunk of money sitting there, and right. you have to be careful with this social f- welfare fair payments. Fair deal is
0: concerned, is it? Yeah, and yeah. you have to
1: be careful with social welfare payments as well because if they're means tested, it might be. Normally, the family home is excluded, but if you've money sitting on deposit. It might be, or invested it, it might be that it reduces down what you're entitled to. So just, again, be careful.
0: All right, okay. We have all the questions in for you, Frances, and I know okay. you'll, you'll deal with them uh, next time. Well, good to see you, Francis. Thanks, thanks, Thanks very much indeed.
2: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In
0: association with Slattery's of Facon Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Facone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. i. Well, you're very welcome back. Lots and lots of uh, queries coming in for Frances. Uh, We will uh, send them to her. And next time round, she'll deal with all of them in detail. But thank you for your huge interest in our financial uh, slides. Time now for our uh, global news update. And glad to be joined as usual by Thomas Conway. And Thomas, of course, Tipperary gentleman and a student of politics and economics in uh, Trinity. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Frank. Good to see you today. Um, You're going to talk to us all, uh, first of all, about. Turkey, and what could be, I suppose, a looming dictatorship in a lot of ways?
2: Essentially, that is the case, and it's already been in the news overnight. Of course, yeah. Recep Tayyip Erdogan threatening to block Sweden's accession to NATO. So, lots of controversy there. But I wanted to talk about con- Turkey more broadly. Now, we spoke about it a little bit before on the programme. Really, it is a country of, of profound contradictions. It's actually home to NATO's second biggest Armed forces, so it's a member of NATO and second to the United States in terms of its military power. So its importance to the West is indisputable, really. Uh, And yet, it's frequently quarrelling with various Western democracies over various issues. The Sweden issue is, as I suppose, the the latest example of that. But just to look at Turkey in. You know, from an overall perspective, its location is critical. Its location endows it with huge geopolitical significance. It's a gateway to the Middle East, a bridge to Eurasia. And then it's a transient country for a lot of migrants en route from the Middle East and Africa. So there are all these factors playing into it, played a crucial role in the war in Ukraine. Erdogan has helped to broker that grain deal before Christmas to allow grain to be shipped from Black Sea ports to Africa and other impoverished nations. And then I suppose its population is the other thing. It's home to 85 million yes, people. Yes, I was
0: surprised at that.
2: Yes, yeah, so it, technically it makes it the largest country in Europe. Now, does Turkey consider itself under the European umbrella? Uh, not really. It sees itself as its own independent force, but yes. it does have a massive population The thing is, we should pay attention to what's happening in Turkish politics because slowly but surely, its president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who's been in power since 2003, essentially, Mm. he's eroding Turkey's democratic architecture. And he's effectively transforming the country from what I would consider probably a flawed democracy. Mm. So a democracy with certain weaknesses into what looks like more of an authoritarian dictatorship. So it really is worrying. It is worrying because there was great hopes for him, was there not? There was great hopes. When he first came to power, Erdogan was seen as uh, an innovator, a guy who could instill the country or, you know, uh, instigate change across the country. That hasn't proven to be the case. As the years have gone on, he's grown more authoritarian. Now, he is a consummate politician. He's mm. pragmatic. He has charisma, and very few will rival him when it comes to his speeches and his rhetoric. I've heard reports saying that like uh saying that Erdogan rallies are akin to Trump rallies. You have this electric atmosphere, mm. a kind of carnival-like atmosphere. So he's a very skilled and wily politician. The big question though is whether he'll survive this year's presidential election. It's scheduled to take place on May t- May 14th and Erdogan is under pressure there are a number of rivals kind of rising up the rising up the ranks now he's done his best to subdue them and he has done that in the past in 20 uh, 2014 he was elected president he transformed effectively the role of president from a ceremonial job much like we have here in Ireland into an all-powerful position abolish the role of Prime Minister in 2016 there was an attempted coup in the country he basically purged anyone with any kind of tenuous link to that so he has done his best to subdue Hmm. opposition
0: and the current situation then, so he's changed the role of the presidency. But, I mean, what about, is there a cabinet? Is there an active uh, ministerial bunch? Or how does that
2: work? Well, there is, but it looks like it's almost largely symbolic. A little bit, little bit more similar to what we have in Russia at the okay. moment, whereby Vladimir Putin is president and there is a parliament and there is technically democratic institutions in the country, but they wield very little power. Uh, they have very little, little leverage over over policy and legislation and things that's interesting. What, what about the country as it is now I mean what is it like to live in Turkey now yeah well economically things are far from good I mean inflation currently running at 64% wow living standards shriveling uh, Erdogan believe, seems to believe the only answer to this is to, to effectively print more money and we all know that mm. that that doesn't work mm-hmm. he had promised to make Turkey one of the world's 10 biggest economies by 2023 at present, it currently sits at nineteenth that 's a long way off his intended target now it does he has had notable achievements. It must be said Turkey boasts better infrastructure than various eu countries, and a lot of that was built during erdogan 's tenure. But I came across a statistic. a survey last year suggested that eighty two percent of Turks between the ages of seventeen and thirty so that younger demographic would move abroad if they had the means. So that is quite telling in terms of the attitudes towards him. So what about the
0: geopolitical dimension then? Um, What about that,
2: Thoms? Yeah, I I mean, in some ways, this is the area in which Turkey has performed best in recent years. Migration flows to to Turkey have kind of predictably skyrocketed since the start of the Syrian civil war. It now hosts 3.6 million Syrian refugees Plus over a million migrants from Africa, Central Asia, the Middle East, Russia. So, you know, it is, as I say, a transit country, but it's also becoming a home country for a lot of refugees. And
0: how does the Turkish people feel about
2: that? Well, there are divergent attitudes. There are mixed attitudes. And I suppose from one perspective, you have to give Turkey credit because, you know, a lot of these refugees would have been headed to Europe. It has, you know, it has taken on a role as kind of a place of refuge Uh, and it has given a home to these refugees. So there is a certain amount of credit, but relations with them have become kind of acrimonious, and particularly when the economic situation of the country is so dire... Obviously, that will translate into negative sentiment towards refugees. What about the Kurds? Yeah, the Kurds. And I I really, we will have a look at the Kurds in detail some morning on the show. Because it's fascinating. They're they're known as the world's largest stateless people. Yes. So they're an ethnic minority. They do not have a state of their own. Uh, There are many of them within Turkey. And they've long been the subject of ostracization, of Mm. marginalization. And of course, as I mentioned there, with the economic hardship currently biting the country, negative attitudes towards them have skyrocketed. Of so, so
0: we saw what happened in Iraq, where the
2: we British saw what happened in Iraq. Yeah. You know, and ethnic minorities, by definition, are vulnerable in mm. times of economic distress. Yes. So you know, you have to wonder where Turkey's place is in the world more broadly. Under Erdogan, it has found itself embroiled in various conflicts in the Middle East, the Syrian civil war the struggle against Islamic State and then other jihadist uh, terrorist groups. But Erdogan is a hardline Islamist. That's the other thing to mention about him. He, he really has an Islamist agenda. He will be up against it this May when the election takes place. Now, Turkey, what will be interesting, it'll be interesting to see his policy position on certain issues, particularly the NATO issue and the alignment with the West. Because mm. Turkey... Turkey sees itself as an independent, uh, self-declared republic. You know, independence separate from the EU. It made a bid to join the EU years ago. That has kind of fallen on deaf ears, basically, in Brussels and, and never got the traction it probably deserved. So its importance to the world is only set to grow in the coming years. Now, whether Mr. Erdogan will be there to shape its future trajectory, it's uncertain at the moment. I suspect he will. I suspect he will do everything in his power to ensure that he remains in power, uh, and that is probably the reality. It's going
0: to be very interesting indeed. Will you let me take a break, Thomas? Because I know uh, that you want to talk to us today about some of the mass shootings, yeah. and indeed, I suppose the American uh, relationship with guns. We'll be right back to you in just a moment.
1: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on one 7